The Watership Down podcast is intended for listeners who are familiar with the plot. There will be spoilers. This episode is scripted by Newell Fisher and Leah McKayla, and is narrated, recorded and edited by Newell Fisher. Many thanks also to Eric Steps for his research work on the Watership Down video game. Hello, and welcome to the Watership Down podcast, episode 116, in which we will be looking at the seventh story from part three of Tales from Watership Down, chapter 18 of the overall book, Stonecrop. First, though, a reminder about our appeal to raise funds for the Rabbit Welfare Association and Fund. I must admit this appeal isn't going as well as I had hoped, which is a shame. This charity is well worth a donation, and I urge you to give what you can. It would be really good to see a niche podcast such as this one be able to raise money for a niche charity that tries to improve the treatment of one of the UK's most popular pets. The link to Just Giving will be in the notes. Next, I'd like to say a few things about part two of the Watership Down video game footage that Eric Steps posted on YouTube. Again, the link to this will be in the notes. I managed to get the English subtitles for this one, so I didn't have to rely so much on Eric's periodic commentary. Very useful though it is. The game starts off with a long introduction to the rabbits and seagull on Watership Down before they go off on in parties exploring the area. Immediately, Hazel and Bigwig meet Cowslip, who doesn't appear in the series either before they reach Watership Down. On reaching Cowslip's warren, Bigwig immediately gets himself trapped in a snare by the leg in order to make the game more child-friendly. Hazel then has to navigate a grid puzzle, avoiding more traps, in order to reach him. It's basically a game of the classic minesweeper, only with carrots and snares rather than flags and mines. Having got Bigwig free, they both have a bit, a bit of a go at the rabbits of the warren of the mines, sorry, snares, before leaving. As Eric points out in his commentary, Cowslip is a little too forthcoming in what his warren is about in this game version. Next, we join Pipkin and Blackberry, who have found a ready-dug honeycomb. As they all enter it, they realise it is still a bit small and will need more digging. Cue an argument about whether just a female Blackberry should do this, or if they should all contribute, culminating in a game of bobstones, helped by a stone that Hazel was supposed to collect at the Warren of the Snares. And so we come to a playable game of bobstones, Big Boo versus Fiverr, with Fiverr playing for digging equality. Possible casts are, simply enough, no stones under either paw, one stone under one paw, and a stone under both paws. The winner is whoever guesses correctly twice more than their opponents. It is, of course, a game of pure luck, but more entertaining than I expected, especially with Big Boo patronising Fiverr by saying he needs more training whenever he loses. Once you can get Fiverr to win, everyone digging being the desired outcome, they all sleep. The next morning, Pipkin goes searching for bugs for the still-injured Kihar, and having found another object, is set upon by a weasel, leading to a straightforward beat-em-up fight game between the weasel and Bigwig, which was hilarious. The weasel beaten, this time, they then plan to get rid of it once and for all, in a way I won't detail yet, as it reflects this episode in the TV series. However, Hazel has more dialogue choices to persuade Bigwig of his plan in the face of Bigwig's pride. This done, there is a maze game in order to get rid of the weasel. Then we join poor Holly as he tries to escape from an owl while making his way to Warship Down. This is achieved in a vertical scrolling game of the same kind of format as Dragon Spirit, one of my favourites back in the day, except that Holly has to keep finding holes to hide in and carrots to eat to keep up his energy, though if he eats too many he won't fit in the holes. A dilemma no dragon ever faced. I think this game provided the best gameplay yet. Once Holly reaches the end, he joins the rabbits on Watership Down. And that is the end of game two.
Game 3, the last one, next week. So then, on to this week's penultimate chapter from Tales from Warship Down, and a very good story for anyone hesitating about giving to this podcast's appeal for the Rabbit Welfare Fund. As I'm sure Paul Stonecrop would agree, a hutch is not enough. Part 3, Story 7, Chapter 18, Stonecrop The opening quotation is from Francis Bacon's Natural History and refers to the objectionable nature of odours of human origin, which suits this chapter in obvious ways. However, Bacon, the father of empiricism, also refers to such odours betraying the spirits. Is this an assertion that certain human smells betray character? It is true, for example, that there is a smell of fear, as human sweat smells more when produced while frightened, for example. But this reference, as used by Adam, seems to reference superstition of the kind we will encounter in this chapter. Empiricism, or the scientific method, is the countess of superstition, as it draws conclusions only from what can be actually observed and verified. In the chapter that follows, Hazel will arguably adopt this approach. In doing so, he will save a life, and probably many more. Some time does now seem to have passed, and it is now summer. Hazel is reflecting one morning on how safe the location on Warship Down is. It has been a long time since a member of the Warren has been attacked by the Alil, and they seem to be safe from the attentions of humans. All seems well on Warship Down. However, because this is the start of one of the tales of Warship Down, we know this is not the case. And then suddenly the tranquillity is broken, as Hazel hears the clear sound of rabbits fighting other rabbits. Emerging from the trees of the beach hangar, Hazel sees three warship down rabbits attacking a fourth rabbit, a stranger who looks quite large and able to defend himself, though with difficulty against three or four other rabbits. Hazel runs up and pulls two rabbits away, then asks what is going on. One of them, named Pearton, says in a very casual manner that they're going to kill the stranger and to let them carry on. When Hazel asks why, Woodruff, the other rabbit, points out the rabbit smells of men and that any rabbit who smells of men must be killed. This is new. In the 1972 novel, no such sentiment was expressed, even when the hutch rabbits were rescued, so it is a bit shocking, to say the least. Is this a result of those from Woundwart's Ephrafa having young? Have they been unable to avoid passing on certain Ephrafan attitudes to their litters? Or is something else going on here? Hazel's inner monologue makes it clear that this is not just an Ephrafan thing. He knows this is the way to borrow from another fandom, but he has never seen it actually acted upon before. And now Hazel can indeed smell the stranger. The smell is so strong that it makes him want to turn and run. Woodruff says he can't really argue with what they're saying and to let them carry on, but Hazel resists his instincts and insists he speak to the stranger to see if there's any danger he needs to know about. Hazel now asserts his authority, which is still hanging in the balance, by waiting quietly for them to follow what he has said which they eventually do after complaining and saying others will get to hear about it. Once they are gone, Hazel tells the stranger to go with him as he is chief rabbit and he will be safe. He asks the rabbit's name, which is Stonecrop. He is injured with a gash across his back and a, and a torn ear. Hazel takes Stonecrop to his burrow via the honeycomb, where there are shocked reactions from the rabbit pre- rabbits present, earning a stern rebuke from Hazel. He asks his co-chief, Heisenthal, to join them in his burrow where he asks Stonecrop to account for why he smells so strongly of humans and whether that might present a danger to the watership down Warren. 
Stonecrop tells them that his mother had been hit by a crudidoo and taken to their home by the men in it. She was expected to die, but hadn't. So she had given birth to the litter she was carrying, two bucks and two does, while in a hutch, which is where Stonecrop therefore began his life, being told of his origins as soon as he was old enough. There were two girls there who fed and looked after them. Stonecrop's mother was named Threnion, which seems to mean rowan berries. One of the girls liked to take Stonecrop out of the hutch and hold him, hoping he would become tame, but he never did. This seems to be the explanation for why he smelled so much of humans, for that is surely a better word than men. So can we assume then that Lucy at Nuthanger Farm did not handle ho Clover et al. nearly as much? This is commented upon later by Fiverr, though he does not speculate on the reason for the difference in the degree of smell. The girl would close all the doors and windows so he couldn't get out. Threnion, who it seems did not fully recover, told her litter all about the wild and encouraged them to escape if they ever got the chance. Eventually she pined away and died. What a sad end for a wild rabbit, or indeed any rabbit. One day, while being handled by the girl, Stonecrop noticed a hole in the wall that we used to scrub out dirty water when the floor was being cleaned. As a matter of interest, this is the same feature, common to kitchens and similar spaces in farms and country houses half, half a century ago, presumably, that Ella Crowrar and Rabscuttle used to get in and out of the house Rousby Wolf lives in in Chapter 41 of the 1972 novel. Not long ago, Stonecrop had taken advantage of being handled by a new girl who didn't handle him securely. He had lashed out with his back legs and got through the hole before they could catch him. He ran through a field of cows and into some trees, where he stayed for a few days. He now knows why the Alil didn't bother with him. Eventually, a hedgehog, who didn't seem to mind his smell, directed him towards Watership Down. Stonecrop wonders what will happen now. Is he still going to be killed? Hazel says no. He is to stay in their burrow, and both he and Heisenthay will look after him, taking him out to Silflay after dark, when no one else is about. Heisenthay reports that Pearton and his friends have been saying that Stonecrop will bring bad luck on the Warren, and she can find very few rabbits who will support them. In fact, only Vilthuril and Thethuthinang have come through, and even Bigwig is doubtful. Now, considering the quotation at the start of the chapter, and who it is from, let's just look at that again. You can understand wild rabbits not being keen on rabbits who smell human. After all, that might mean there are humans nearby. But bad luck? Really? This is perhaps the first example of the superstitious beliefs of rabbits in the world of Warship Down being definitely negative. But then again, as we have long established, this is a universe in which the supernatural definitely exists. So maybe the presence of such rabbits does bring humans near. In any case, Hazel the Rationalist seems to disagree. Stonecrop's Silflay reveals how unwild he is, and Hazel despairs a little. The next day, the mystic Fiver comes to talk to him. For in a world where the supernatural is real, such a rabbit is a realist. And Fiverr gains the confidence of Stonecrop, helping him on the next Silflay the following night. He asks Hazel, who is growing desperate, to give him a little time to think. Fiverr reassures Stonecrop that they have taken in hutch rabbits before, though this is when they are desperate for does and they, and they didn't smell as much. I put that a little less delicately than Fiverr does, but that is what it amounts to. Next comes Bigwig's counsel, which is straight to the point. After smelling Stonecrop and exclaiming the hilarious frith on a hoodoo, he says that Hazel's authority is leaking away rapidly and that he needs to give it up. Meaning what? Let Stonecrop be killed? Bigwig, ever the superstitious one, is basically defending Pearton's approach in order to save Hazel's leadership. 
or is this just real politic, bowing to the political reality? And now Fiverr speaks decisively. Stonecrop should go to Groundsell's Warren, established jointly between Warship Down and Ephrafa. He will be okay there. Bigwig questions Fiverr's wisdom, which he should know better than to do by now. When Fiverr says something which, with such certainty, Bigwig should know to just go with it. Hazel reminds Bigwig of Fiverr's psychic track record and asks him to accompany them to Groundsell's Warren at first light. Ominously, Fiverr adds that this solution will include something violent happening, but it is still the right thing to do. Bigwig agrees reluctantly. They leave the next day, leaving Heisenthaler in charge. Progress is slow, as Stonecrop has little awareness of the subtle skills needed by a rabbit in the wild. As they rest, Stonecrop wonders why they are so afraid of a lil. If he meets them, he will just fight them. Bigwig points out that he hasn't met any. It is early evening before they draw near to Groundsell's Warren, which will come to be called Left Lane. And immediately, it is obvious that something is very wrong. The Warren is being attacked by four weasels, who are systematically going through the whole Warren. All the rabbits have fled in panic, including Groundsell, who Bigwig pins down to get some sense from him. As they see what is happening, Hazel and Bigwig also start to panic. And then Stonecrop attacks the weasels. The sheer lucky coincidence of his naivety about a lil and his smell has an instant effect. As he arrives among them, the weasels make as if to kill him, and then they catch the smell. As they run away, they cry out, Man! Man! Run! Man! In doing so, they become the on only the second talking lil in the Watership Down universe after cats, or the third if you count Rasby Woof. It is clear that Stonecrop would have been dead in an instant if he hadn't been for his smell, but the very reason for his recklessness is also the reason for that smell. As the rabbits of Groundsell's Warren return, they are in awe of this mysterious stranger who has saved them all. Hazel insists on recounting the entire story as to how Stonecrop ended up here. However, Groundsell is still in awe of Stonecrop and says he can have his own burrow and choose any doe he likes. Presumably she will have to be okay with his smell, or is Groundsell being a bit old effraffer here? In any case, the only price will be that he has to go through every run of the warren every morning and evening, slowly. Though I have to beg the question, just how long will his smell last? Before they leave, Hazel and Bigwig get to see Stonecrop treated as a celebrity. And Hazel points out to Bigwig that Fiverr is always right. Is it canon? This tale is another one of the challenge of an outsider, though less extensive than the saga of Flyeth and on a par with the homegrown outsider that was Sandwort. Leah Michaela adds, quote, Mostly focusing about some rabbit who smells like humans and therefore other rabbits want to kill him. In this story we are introduced to the law of the rabbits. That is introduced for the first time in this story, and clearly not even obeyed in earlier stories, or Hutch Rabbits and Hazel driving in a crudidoo would not have had a chance. I would say that's why this story smells of non-canon. Would this story have been more believable if the poor stonecrop smelling of humans had approached some other warren, maybe Ephrafa or Thineal, wherever it was? Since Ephrafa had just gotten rid of a dictator that was raised by humans, they probably did not want other rabbits resembling his kind. Orthineal had been stricter about keeping the Warren secret from humans to begin with. I've marked in my notes 
The story smells of non-canon also, because Bigwig seems to confront Fiverr just for the sake of confronting. When in Watership Down, Fiverr was always the one to make Bigwig suspect there was, all, there was something more than meets the eye or nose in various situations. In the end, Stonecrop is welcomed in Left Lane, because him appearing smelling like humans frightens away some weasels that have been terrorising the Warren. He even gets a job walking through all the tunnels so they would smell so the weasels don't dare to come back. So all is well. Except that raises the question, doesn't the human smell wear off from Stonecrop at all, if, even if he's living longer in the wild? There is some truth to that. Some rabbits may turn really sour to their former friends who have started smelling weird. There's been a couple of times when a group of pet rabbits started to bully their peer, who they liked before, who turned out to be in the early stages of cancer, though that wasn't as obvious to humans until something was visible. I don't remember bonded pairs turning against each other in case of cancer, but apparently groups of three or more rabbits were prone to that. In a way, I'm a bit more prone to thinking the weird thing about Stonecrop could be behaviour rather than the smell that wears off, because having grown in, in captivity, he's unaware of wild rabbits' ways, and that could remain weird for a longer time, even after the smell disappears. Which brings in mind that lengthy pondering about how humans are the fey to animals that kept circulating online. Quote, they will always be marked by their time away from the world, end quote. And that also sort of reminds me of one elderly lop-eared rabbit whom I once got to keep company for my elderly lion heads when he needed a new home, and never quite figured, figured was he already demented, or was some of his odd behaviour just typical to his breed, since he was the first lop I ever had. I've had since then another lop in her second home here, but she was nowhere near as weird as the first one. But she was also years younger than the old lop when she came. Stonecrop also seems to have hidden one lesson of lapine, as Stonecrop's poor late mother was called Threnion, and that is one of the few names in tales that gets explained at all. Threnions are described to be small berries in trees in winter, and that makes me think of rowan berries that come to trees in autumn but also often stay long in winter, or hawthorn. Of course in Britain it could refer to some other plant, but there also could be a link. If Thre returns to rowan, R to tree, and or leaves, and nyun to its berries. So that Threar is rowan tree, and Threnion is rowan berries. That seems quite logical. Another suspect was Hawthorn, that in Finnish is called Thorn Rowan, even if the trees aren't very related, but I guess originally that name might have come from reference to red berries. So another explanation for lapine names could be that Thre refers to a tree that makes red berries, and R and Nyun are differentiating the kind of tree that makes red berries. So Threar is Rowan, and Threnion something else. That could apply also to other trees that make red berries. I came to think only after writing this, has the theme been touched on by those who keep lapine dictionaries online? A quick Google shows some consider Threnions as rowan berries, others having included anything from tales. End quote. Thank you, Leah. Intriguing thoughts as always. I particularly like the lapine analysis and the idea of humans being a quite unpleasant version of the fae for rabbits. Fae meaning fairies for those of you who are unaware. For an older myth, Fairies are not necessarily benevolent in any way. So then, canon or not? While this story does deal effectively with Hazel Ryle's leadership surviving yet another challenge, the reaction towards Stonecrop simply does not ring true in the light of the 1972 novel. Are we really meant to believe that Lucy at Nuthanger Farm never handled Clover et al as she put them in a pen on the grass? Or was this meant not to provide enough time for rabbits born in captivity to have enough human smell? I'm not buying it, to be honest. So although this chapter works on the level of Hazel's leadership, 
the sudden and shocking reaction to Stonecrop's smell, which is the protagonist for the entire chapter, does not ring true for me. And Stonecrop's bravado at Groundsell's Warren seems a little lucky, which is a real shame. So, overall, Cannon, as far as Hazel's behaviour as well as Fiverr's, and Bigwig's reserve seems to have returned. Otherwise, not. Next time, we look at the last tale Richard Adams ever wrote set in his beloved world of Watership Down, as we reach the end of the Tales from Watership Down. <laughs>